I'd like to say, um, for those who don't know me, my name's Mike Fitzpatrick. For those who do know me, my name's also Mike Fitzpatrick. So just bear with me for 30 seconds while I get myself organised. I hope you don't mind, but uh, I'd like to start just a, a little bit uh, differently, something that I uh, think is very important. And um, uh, as we gather, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we speak, uh, which we gather today, the Awabakal people, who are appointed by God to be the traditional custodians of this land. I'd like to pay respect to uh, the elders, both past and present, for the way that they have stewarded God's great creation. And extend that respect to all Indigenous people, past, present, those future generations, who we pray will continue this task, trusting that our Creator will continue reconciling all things to Himself in Jesus Christ. So thank you very much for turning uh, up today. Um, I hope you've all got your comfy walking shoes on, because uh, we're going on a bit of a journey. Um, we're going to look at the amazing creation that God has created for us. Um, it's quite interesting, I don't know uh, how many people have written sermons or, or prepared stuff for, for a church and you spend the time preparing and you think it's God's message, you're fairly confident and then you get there and the worship team who you haven't spoken to are two songs that fit right in with the message and you know, ah, yep, that's ticked the box. So. Uh, hope you enjoy this message uh, today. So we're going to start at the very beginning, which uh, Maria von Trapp famously said is a, a very good place to start. Um, we're going to then head out to the very far reaches of the universe, and then back to the end of the time, and then back to the beginning again. So I hope you're ready for a, a bit of a journey. So um, in the beginning, yep, beautiful, in the beginning. Um, possibly the very best known Bible verse of all time, I think, um, Everyone uh, will know the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Then over the next six, five, six days, he created everything else that surrounds us, all the things we can see and all the things we can't see. But what he also created was the very first clash between science and religion. What does it mean in the beginning? So uh, science says on this hand, the universe was... Uh, started 13 and a half billion years ago. On this hand, we have uh, the young earth creationists who say it was 4000 BC. And it's uh, interesting, a bit of research, that some um, people are so confident with their um, calculations that there's one group that, that, that put the date of the creation of the earth at 4004 BC, which I think is, that shows a bit of confidence. Um, I'm not going to get into, we're not going to get into when Earth was created, for three main reasons. Firstly, it doesn't matter when it was created. The fact is that God created the heavens and the Earth, but more importantly is why He did it. So we're going to look at the why He created the heavens and the Earth. Um, and secondly, He actually tells us uh, in the Bible. So the next slide, please. This is, um, I always hate this book, Ecclesiastes, I can never pronounce it, 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also planted eternity men's hearts and minds, a divinely implanted sense of purpose, working through the ages with nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Yet so that man cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So he has made everything beautiful. He has created in us 
this yearning, yearning for eternity, and only he can fulfill that yearning. Uh, and I think that's a, a thing we really understand, that when we, when we found God, something was filled inside of us. But then he put this little thing um, that we actually cannot grasp what he's done. So from the beginning of the time to the end of the time, we have an idea, but there's no way we can know definitely until the end of time what God has done. Um, so that's reason number two, we're not going to get carried away with science. And reason number three, we'll get to. Um, so in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Such a simple, simple statement. But have you ever considered uh, the amazingly huge and incredibly complex and beautiful creation that God has created for us? But more importantly, have you ever considered why God created such a mind-boggling, enormous universe to situate us in? Um, just prepare you now. We're going to be looking at some incredibly huge numbers during this first half of, the, of this talk um, that the human mind cannot grasp. So don't try to grasp these numbers. What you need to grasp is the fact that you cannot grasp them because this is part of God's creation. So um, let's start from the very smallest. So next slide. So this is an atom or a picture or a design of an atom. There are actually subatomic particles. We're not going to go there. That's part of the um, quantum physics, and I'd love to talk to you all about that, but I have no idea. So we're going to start with atoms. But I think we're all comfortable with an atom. Atoms are made up of protons, neutrons, electrons. They're incredibly small. To give you an idea of how small they are, a grain of sand. So if you went down to Newcastle Beach, picked up one grain of sand, had that sitting on your thumb. Next slide, please. It would have... 10 to the power of 19. So that's that first big number up there. 10, one with 19 zeros after it. That's how many atoms are in a grain of sand. One single grain of sand has that many atoms. Couldn't even tell what the number is. The incredible thing about that number is there are more atoms in one grain of sand than there are grains of sand on the planet Earth. So that second number is what scientists think is how many grains of sand there are on the Earth. Approximately, give or take half a dozen, I think. But just hold that in your mind. There's going to be lots of things floating around in your mind. But that's, that's one example of an amazing uh, universe. So next slide, please. People, us. When we look at us, we think of, uh, we're all made up of atoms. Everything's made up of atoms. But living beings, we generally talk of as being made up of cells. So in a human body, we have, uh, I'm going to rock the food, 30 trillion, next slide, 30 trillion cells. So that's uh, three with... 13 zeros afterwards. But what's more uh, incredible, so we have 30 trillion cells inside of us, uh, made up, 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 we're made up of 30 trillion cells. But inside of us, we have 39 trillion microbial cells, bacteria, viruses, fungus. Isn't that a wonderful thing to think of? It sort of begs the question, are we human beings who have uh, gut microbes that look after us, or are we just a life support system for these gut microbes? <laughs> Let's people. Let's look at, at, at our environment. Next slide. Yep. So God's created this beautiful environment we live in. Have you ever considered the tree? Jesus said consider the lilies. I think he meant consider the eucalyptus tree. Um, trees have a real problem. All the things that they need, all the nutrients, all the water that they need is in the ground. Where they need it is in the greenery. So if you look at the trees out there, all that green stuff way up there, Needs all the nutrients, all the nutrients are down the bottom. 
An average size eucalyptus tree, depending on the time of year, needs between 200 litres and 1,000 litres of water a day to survive. So let's average that around 600 litres. 600 litres of water is, um, there's a fire hose in M3, just one of those standard commercial fire hoses. If you whack it on full bore, it'll take about half an hour to pour out 600 litres of water. That gum tree moves that water from the ground up through the trunk, through the branches, through all the leaves, and there's not one moving part. You consider what we build, what we design as people to pump things all around the place. It's not one moving part in those trees and they efficiently move that amount of water up to the leaves. That's enough of the trees. Let's move out into space. This is um, when uh, Sam first, uh, when we first came up here, Sam went to, to Megan Smith at, at school and said, um, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. Um, he's sort of changed his mind a little bit since then. But uh, I blame that a lot on me. So we're going to go to a bit, bit, bit of science, a bit of travel in the universe. So the moon, it's about 400,000 kilometres away. One interesting fact about the moon is it's tidally locked to the Earth. So that means that as it travels around the Earth, it shows the same face. So we never see anything but this side of the moon. So far, there's about 8 billion people, just under 8 billion people on this Earth today. And everyone who walks outside sees that. There's been around, uh, scientists guess, about 100 million people who have um, existed on the face of the planet in recorded history. So 100 billion people have seen only that. Until 1968, when the Apollo 8 astronauts saw this. This is the far side of the moon. Every bit of this side of the moon, uh, so it's 24 people have seen that side, every bit of this side of the moon is created just as lovingly, just as caring, with as much thought and detail for 24 people as a side that has been seen by 100 billion people. And I think uh, this is um, sort of hints a little bit at why um, Jesus was created to be a carpenter. Because there's three types of carpenters. There's the tradie, who can build your house, beautiful house. There's a tradesman, who can make nice tables, nice chairs. And then there's the artisan, who can create works of art, create a table, create a sideboard, but every single joint, every single part of that sideboard is created lovingly and with as much care as everything can be seen. So you turn around, it looks as beautiful. That's how God created the earth, heavens and the earth. So that's the moon. Now one thing that's interesting is that um, when the Apollo 8 astronauts were coming back from their trip, they went around the moon and came back. When they were coming back, it was Christmas Eve and they had a um, message connection, a radio connection uh, to earth. And they played a recording of Genesis chapter one, back to earth, because they just felt that that was just appropriate at that time as they're coming back uh, to the planet that God created. So let's travel out a little bit further out to the solar system. So here we have uh, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, and Uranus, uh, all taken, these are photos taken uh, by the Voyager spacecraft in the 80s. So up until then, we had sort of glimpses of Jupiter was close, but further out planets, we didn't really have a great shot of them. So, uh, Voyager was launched, and I remember 
um, watching, uh, every couple of years it would hit Jupiter, it would hit Saturn, and I would watch the news and they'd show these pictures of the amazing things that were just being discovered in these planets that have been sitting out there for thousands, possibly millions, billions of years, and we were just starting to see how good God's creation is. So just to give you an idea of what Voyager did, Voyager flew out to those planets, um, and just hold this in your mind, just these figures, because um, this will help a little bit in it. In, uh, in a wee bit. It's currently 23 billion kilometres out from Earth. So it's actually moved out into what they call interstellar space, outside the influence of the Sun. And it's currently travelling at 60,000 kilometres per hour, which is the fastest thing uh, ever. So it took um, 44 years to travel 23 billion kilometres. What it didn't do is it looked, didn't uh, go by Pluto. So this is our best shot of Pluto a few years ago. This is from the Hubble Space Telescope. Um, Pluto is about three, three billion, yeah, three billion kilometres away. In uh, 2005, a New Horizons spacecraft was launched, and it spent 10 years travelling out to Pluto. Scientists thought Pluto was just a cold, hard, boring rock, um, but this is what they discovered when it got close. Um, Unfortunately, you can't sort of see the amazing colours in it. But Pluto's not this cold, hard rock. It's a living, what scientists call a living world. It's tectonically active. It has uh, fluid, not water, but there's liquid oceans below the surface and it's atmosphere and a climate. Um, I'm still the one that says Pluto should be a planet, um, but uh, my voice doesn't get heard in the uh, realms of science. But just, just think, so three billion miles away, it took 10 years for a human-built spacecraft to fly from here to there to find something that God had created at the beginning of time that's an amazingly beautiful thing that you know, we've only just started to see. We're lucky in this generation we can see that. So let's head a little bit further out. We're gonna keep moving. So this is the Milky Way, we all know the Milky Way. Um, yep, next slide. This uh, has, it is whatever that first number is, that's how wide the Milky Way is. It's like a flat uh, plate, quite big plate. Um, so that's 10 to the power of 18, which is equivalent to 100,000 light years. Just to give you an idea of what size that is, just to put it in our, in our human mind. So imagine a 10 cent piece. If you laid a 10 cent piece on the ground here, that would be our solar system. The Milky Way would be bigger than the continent of Australia. Just consider that. It has 100, uh, 100 billion to 400 billion stars. They're not 100% sure because we're edge on. So let's average that 250 billion stars that God created in the Milky Way. And each of those stars, I think, have planets. And that's just the, yeah, the stars. There's so many other amazing things. Then we're going to head out to uh, the universe. So up until the early 20th century, scientists thought that the Milky Way was the universe. Mostly stars and a couple of little funny little spots. Edwin Hubble sat down with his telescope and he looked at those spots and he started discovering other galaxies. And since then, so about the last 100 years, we've got space telescopes up now. Um, scientists, again, estimate there's about 2 trillion galaxies in our universe that we can see and um, within our visible universe. And that's how many stars they estimate are in the universe. So it's a quite a huge world we live in, an environment of creation that we live in. It's huge, but there are things out there that just start to um, 
make us realise that how much of a personal touch God had in creating the universe. He didn't just go and throw out all these stars, all these galaxies. He created things like this. So the next slide. This is called the Horsehead Nebula. Now, all these photos that you're going to see now, these are all actual photographs. No, not retouched at all. There's no, there's no colour added. These are just photos taken from um, uh, the space telescopes as God created our universe. So this is basically it's a massive gas cloud. Um, yeah, next one. This is um, I, this is amazing. Uh, this is sorry, <laughs> I think it's amazing. This is called the pillars of creation. So this is, these are hydrogen gas clouds. Um, this is one of the first images taken by the Hubble Space Telescope. So it's called pillars of creation because up here, that's a new sun forming in the gas clouds, um, and it's one of the first times that scientists saw the beginning of, of a sun. Um, and this is described as quite a small feature. So it is uh, about five, six light years, this pillar here. So when you consider the Earth is, uh, so the solar system is 0.0003 light years across, they call that a small uh, system. Yep, next one. This is, this is, yeah, this is not coloured. This is exactly as God created. This is the uh, scientists quite creatively call this the bubble nebula. That's what they do. And then we have, yep, next one, crab nebula. Um, it's a real shame that we don't have a high definition picture of this, that the colours in this are just phenomenal. And it's just, these are just like microscopic elements within the universe. Um, and the next one's quite fascinating. These are two galaxies that are clashing together. But if you're up close, you'd see stars, but from the distance, you see God's hand moving through the heavens, creating, you're know, using gravity, creating these swirls of light and stars. Um, and then you see, and this is just as a side view, down here, there's another spiral galaxy just in the distance. You know, God just said, we'll just drop that one down there. Um, and this next one is for the uh, anyone over the age of, oh, I'm going to say 40. The scientists call this the spirograph. Nebula. And so if anyone doesn't know what a spirograph is, there's plenty of people here, have a chat with them. For me though, this next image is um, one of the most awe-inspiring photographs for me that have ever been taken. This is called the Hubble Extreme Deep Field Image. It's a very small part of the Earth, uh, part of the, the universe. Um, it's a number of photographs stuck together. It's about five and a half thousand galaxies, galaxies in this photo. Um, if you had a high resolution image, you could move in and see them all. The closest are around five to six hundred million light years away. But right in the middle, there's one you can't see, is a little red one that scientists estimate is 12 billion light years away. That's the most distant object we can see from the Earth. So I want you to sort of consider God creating heaven and the Earth. We have the circle around us of just amazing things that we're just starting to touch and feel, but God created that in the beginning for us to, to live in. So now, the universe is huge, incredibly huge, mind-numbingly big. So why did God feel the need to create something so big? And he tells us uh, in his word, the heavens declare the glory of God, skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. 
They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run its course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. But God says he built the heavens to declare his glory. I like this next translation. This is from the, the Passion Translation. Passion, Passion Translation. God's splendor is a tale that is told. It is written in the stars. Space itself speaks of his story through the marvels of the heavens. His truth is on, our, is on tour in the starry vault of the sky, showing skills in creation's craftsmanship. Each day gushes out its message to the next, night by night, whispering its knowledge to all, without a sound, without a word, without a voice being heard. Yet all the earth can hear its echo. Everywhere its message goes out. What a heavenly home God has set for the sun, shining in the superdome of the sky. See how he leaves his celestial chamber each morning, radiant as a bridegroom, ready for his wedding. Like a day-breaking champion, eager to run his course. He rises on one horizon, completing his circuit on the other, warming lives and lands with his feet. So God created the universe to declare his glory. Um, when I thought about that, I was uh, thinking about um, the Narnia books. So in the last book of the Narnia series is uh, The Last Battle. And um, it's right at the end where there's been the battle. I don't know if you've read it. If you haven't read it, go and have a read. They're great stories. Um, there's a battle and then all the kids, all the, they go into this hut and they start walking into what's called Aslan's Land. Um, and they look around and they go, this looks just like Narnia. And Aslan walks up to him and says, Narnia is but a shadow of my true country. And when you get to my true country, you'll see what it's really like. And that's what God has created for us here. He's created a glimpse, a very small glimpse of what we will see when we're with him face to face in heaven. The glory that we see here, if you can imagine if you could see the entire universe, that would be a fraction of God's glory. We can only see a very small fraction of that very, of course, small fraction of God's glory. And it's amazing. So it just blows my mind to think what the glory will be like when we are face to face with God. But God just doesn't stop there. You know, God has layers like an onion. Thank you. I knew someone get that. Sam wasn't here. That's from Shrek for those who, who aren't aware. Um, so he didn't just create the heaven and the earth for his glory. He doesn't do, just doesn't do things simply. Um, to declare God's glory is the principal reason why God created everything, but there's a second reason, very close second. God created the splendor of this universe also to show his incredible love for us, his creation. And he says this in Psalm 8. And uh, again, this is the Passion Translation. I think it, 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 it speaks really well for this um, this uh, Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars, mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But I have this question. Why would you bother with puny mortal man or care about human beings? I think so. That's a quite a good question. 
Yet what honour you have given men, you have given us. Created only a little lower than Elohim. And that's the, uh, the Jewish name of the creative God. So Elohim is the God that creates everything. Crowned with glory and magnificence. So he created men, he created us slightly lower than himself. You have delegated to us rulership over all that you have made with everything placed under our authority, placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. All the created order and every living thing of the earth, the sky, the sea, the wildest beasts and all that move in the paths of the sea, everything is in submission to Adam's sons. Yahweh, our sovereign God, your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name. People everywhere see your splendour, your glory. So just go back to the journey we've taken. Think of that smallest micro out to the entire universe. Every single piece of God's creation is declaring first his well-deserved glory, but also demonstrates the honour which he has given us. He gives us honour, not because we deserve it, simply because he loves us. Slightly less, slightly below him. And of course, that's not all. God just doesn't, we're not going to stop there. He created every one of us and every person who's ever lived on this planet of Earth to uh, see the way we see our surroundings differently. We all experience and see what we're surrounded by individually even if we look at the same thing. So God created us not only to have a personal relationship with him, not only to live in this universe that shows his glory, but each of us has a personal and individual relationship with that glory. What I see is different from what you see. God, It's almost like God sat there and went, and there's a universe for you, and a universe for you, and a universe for you. Each of us see differently. So that's how personal God sees each of us in this enormous of the universe. So in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. But really, that's not quite slightly misleading when we think of it in human terms, because it wasn't really the beginning. There was something before the beginning. So, yeah. sorry, these are a little bit small. I'll read them out to you. So. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So Revelation 17.8 says, The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast. Because it once was, now is not, and will become. Daniel 12, 11 is quite a great verse. It says, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects you, will arise. It's got nothing to do with what I'm talking about, just Michael, this pretty cool guy. Yeah. Some people are awake, that's nice, don't they? Uh, Ephesians 1, so in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, 
which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. So, grace was given to us through Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. Before the creation of the world, he chose us. We were predestined. Now, this is one of those um, clashes that uh, I remember when I was a young Christian, we had a uh, guy I worked with whose church is definitely, it's all about predestination. And we we're in church, no, it's all about free will. Um, and it's an interesting clash. So I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to give an opinion on that, um, but I'll let God's word to speak for itself. So these couple of verses all talk about being chosen, being selected before the before time. But God also says this for the next slide. Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person and they with me. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your, profess your faith and are saved. And of course, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that whoever believed in his one... This is my uh, King James um, for growing up. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not, should not perish, but have eternal life. So these verses talk about free choice. You know, it's Jesus knocking on the door. He's not opening the door. We have to open the door to let him in. We believe, we declare with our mouth. So somehow, God has predestined us to choose freedom. So I'm just going to leave it. It makes no sense to me, and it'll make sense to us when we're in heaven. So we have free choice, and we're predestined. That's not the important part of this thing. What I'm talking about now is the before time. So God knew before time who he's going to choose. Um, and it made me start me thinking about the crucifixion. So the crucifixion is the third reason why it's not really important to get wrapped up in how God created the earth. The Bible's all about Jesus. It's all about the death and resurrection and our redemption back to God. All those other bits and pieces are important, but when they take away from the crucifixion, you know, if we're here arguing about 13.5 billion years versus 6,000 years, and we spend all our time getting all wrapped up and angry about that, this is the bit that's important, the crucifixion. So I started thinking about the crucifixion. So when Jesus was on the planet, when he was in his human form, he knew he was going to be crucified. So that was part of the plan. But then I started extrapolating that back through time. So when we go back to creation, God created heaven and the earth, created Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve ate the apple and fell. That wasn't a surprise to God. He knew that was going to happen. Was it? Not, that, not that he chose it to happen, he planned for it to happen. And this is where we, we human language just doesn't sort of um, really um, show the depth of, of how God plans. So God knew at the beginning of time that Adam and Eve would fall, that uh, the Israelites would be his nation, Jesus would come and be crucified on the cross. But then the Bible says actually before time he chose us. So God knew before time that this was going to happen. Um, and going back before time, so this is where um, eternity really um, hurts because we live in a world of time where something starts and something finishes. When we're outside this ball of time that God created, there is heaven and it's eternal. 
So I'm going to use language that God wouldn't use, but... So we go back before time. Angels were created at some stage. Angels are created beings. So before that, there was Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were just happily existing in creation. And, and they were complete. They didn't need anything. So I started thinking about what if when God made his plan. And when God made his plan, and <laughs> this is going to give you an insight into my mind. So at the end of this, if you want to um, ring an ambulance and have me committed, I perfectly understand. But this is, this is exactly where my mind went. So I envisaged God, so this is how I saw God in my mind. It has to be Morgan Freeman, of course. And then Jesus. So Jesus is, uh, for me, and, and sorry, this is where I went. This is not what he chooses. Keanu Reeves, not from uh, his cool Matrix time, but from Bill and Ted. And then the Holy Spirit, thing reigns. Big, quiet. And this is where my mind went. So Jesus and the Holy Spirit... Uh, in the mansion in heaven, having breakfast. So Jesus is crunching on a Pop-Tart, Holy Spirit's in the corner, drinking a power shake. God comes down and says, guys, I've got a plan. And they go, yeah, tell us, Dad, tell us. So he outlines his plan. Lays the whole thing down, basically what I told you about going forwards rather than backwards for the crucifixion. And they listen, and Jesus goes, at the end, he goes, okay, Dad, let me get this straight. You want to, we're happy here, three of us, you know, we're quite good. You want to create these beings you're going to call angels. Knowing that Satan will grab a whole pile of them and rebel against you. And God's not. And then, Jesus, and then you want to create this earth populated with people. The vast majority are going to rebel against you. Okay. And Jesus goes, so which means that then you want me to give up this, to become one of them, to get nailed on a cross. So that then some of them can come back and join us. And God goes, yeah, yeah. And Jesus goes, why would you want to do that? There's a bit of silence in heaven. And the Holy Spirit goes, what about Kevin? And Jesus went, yeah. And God goes, and then the shoots game. And Debbie. And then they start naming. And writing a book. Every single person God chooses. It goes to the book of life. It goes along really well until they get to about halfway through the thing and, and the Holy Spirit goes, oh, and then they don't get AJ. And God goes, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So it's just... Uh, so yeah, so all the way through, and then they have everybody, it's written the book of life, and it gets in and Jesus goes, you know what, you had me at Kevin. So even though God chose, God had this plan, and he knew that the plan, that we would try our hardest to, to rebel against the plan, he still chose right at the very beginning that it was worth it to go through all that pain, all that agony, to, for his son to become human. To get crucified so that at the end of time we can spend eternity with him. So in the beginning, God created the end. He knew he chose us all. Can we get the band, band back up? So I think we'll just um, we'll finish with the uh, the second song. What a beautiful name. Um, so when you when you leave here today, 
We're living we're in the house of God. We love coming to the house of God. But I want you to think, as you walk out that door, you're stepping into the creation, the universe that God created for you. Look at his glory. Try to just get whatever it is that you think is amazing. Look at it and go, God made that. God made that to show his glory. But God also made that to show how much he loves and honours me. And that thing that I see, only I see that with the eyes that God gave me to thank him in the way that I can thank him. So I hope you all take something out of that. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll just finish with this song. And um, there will be prayer afterwards. Yes, if anyone needs prayer, please come down. There is people to pray for you. And, uh, whilst, and while we're on that with prayer, there's always someone to, willing to pray for you here and now. But there's always someone willing to pray for you at any time during the week. So if there's anything you ever need, please don't feel you cannot reach out to people in this church, your friends, your pastors. The numbers are on church. Prayer is so important. So thank you. Have a great week and be blessed.